Welcome to this week's episode of the Ramblin' Runnels podcast, hosted by Jesse Runnels. I'm joined this week with my uh, uh, brother-in-law, Dave Winters, and my wife, Julian Winters. Uh, this week I'll be interviewing my brother-in-law, Dave, and uh, my wife, Jill, will be his commentary as we go along. So, uh, hi, Dave. Hey, Jesse. Uh, first, let me say thanks for having me on. Uh, first time, long time. Uh, you know, big fan, friend of the pod, <laughs> all that stuff. <laughs> all right, cool. It's just writing a listener mail there. <laughs> yeah, the first one. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so... I mean, some of our fans know Dave personally, but uh, to some of the ones who don't know, which may not exist, uh, <laughs> uh, um, uh, first start off, Dave, uh, where are you from? Uh, well, I yeah. was born, like Jill, I was born in Maryville, Illinois, lived there for my first 18 years of life. Moved to Columbia, Missouri for, well, first I did one year at Omsel, moved to St. Louis, then moved to Columbia, Missouri, where I was there for, whew, gosh, uh, nine, eight, no, eight years. Moved back for, eight years. moved back to Maryville for a year, moved back to Columbia for a year, then uh, moved to St. Charles, Missouri, and now I live in Clayton, Missouri. All in the St. Louis area for those not from the area. Wait, what'd you do that year you lived in Columbia? I don't remember that. Well, um, I, that was when I was working in Jeff City at the job where I traveled representing people oh. for disability. Oh, okay. And actually, okay. I was only back for six months, technically, because I, I moved back, did that for six months. And then Charlene, my uh, one of my best friends from law school, called it give me the job in St. Charles. So I abruptly moved back. Okay. I forgot you. I guess since you were traveling so much and I wasn't there, I forgot you lived yeah, in you Columbia never got during to that. See, you never got to see that apartment, which yeah, it was actually one of my favorite apartments, in, at least in Columbia. Yeah. Not that that's saying much given the, uh, <laughs> the assholes I lived in previously. Yeah. Wait, can we toss on this? Yeah. I'm rated explicit. I can't. <laughs> I'm not even on. I can't be on iHeartRadio because of that. I think parental discretion strongly <laughs> advised. Yeah, yeah. I, I've I have uh, thrown shade at them in previous podcasts. <laughs> no one listens to iHeartRadio anyway, except like teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> Every single podcast is through iHeartRadio. Yeah, Radio. a lot of them are, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess fact check on that. Actually, every single radio station is owned by iHeartRadio, so yeah, probably millions of people listen and to all, it. And all of the um, How Stuff Works podcasts, which is like it's basically all we listen to, is <laughs> um, owned by iHeartRadio, like How Stuff Works and stuff they don't want you to know and stuff missed in history class yeah it's we'll under see. the it's all I, under the do what go ahead 
I was going to say, see, I support independent creators like Rambling Runnels, so I'm unfamiliar <laughs> with this corporate corporate monopoly of the podcast market. Yeah, just like uh, who's the one in sports? Uh, like Barstool Sports is another I, conglomerate. I do want to point out that stuff you missed in history class, mm. all of like a bunch of the black history stuff that's coming up, like when everyone was like, what's the Tulsa race riot? Like, I had already learned about that from stuff you missed in history class. Juneteenth, you know, like there, I highly recommend them because they cover a lot of non mm. basically stuff they don't talk about in history class. So a lot of women, a lot of people that's, of color, a lot of non-European centric history. That's a did, typical did, white answer. <laughs> did they uh, ever talk about the... <laughs> The East St. Louis race riot? Um, I don't think so. I've they cover like, I mean, not just American history. So they have a ton of different. You know how I found out about the Tulsa race riot? The like most people, the Watchmen. No, from a black person. Oh, <laughs> that's good. So, I actually I'm so informed. It. So uh, I'm actually trying to cross the ties. Where'd you learn about it, David? I was going to say, I learned about it, uh, I, probably Wikipedia, where I learn about most stuff. But yeah, that stuff is interesting, because like when I first, a lot of people from the area have no idea about the East St. Louis race riot, which was yeah, similar to that. Tulsa, except they didn't fire, the National Guard didn't firebomb the city. But like that's yeah. something growing up in the area, no one talks about, but was pretty bad if you want to wikipedia yeah. like i'm gonna people were I'm gonna have to. Jeez. they were tossing people over the bridge and like i think th like they don't know for sure but they guesstimate like you know over 100 people were killed and basically the the whole black community for me st louis like fled and didn't come back for decades yeah i mean the appropriate term actually is not race riot but race massacre because riot implies that it was equal on both sides Fair yeah enough. they yeah. just another note about the watchman uh the black u.s marshal that they show in the beginning that he's watching the film of in the beginning of the watchman stuff you missed in history also has a two-part podcast on that guy i don't remember his name but they have a podcast about him yeah and mm. See, uh, I, I have listened to a few of the stuff you miss in history, and I, that is a pretty good podcast. Uh, yeah. You know, it definitely has kind of, I don't know if you've ever heard of the book, uh, The Secret History of America by Howard Zim, kind of. Uh -uh. Like a, mm. Oh, it's real interesting. It's similar where it's kind of like a radical view of, uh, you know, basically all the real bad stuff that gets <laughs> sanitized from the, yeah. uh, from the history books that you know kind of has that feel but maybe you less know i love uh, radical stuff so <laughs> so check it out all right so um yeah so you moved back to so you went to law like i don't know if you said you so you went to school at umsul which is part of uh what university of missouri uh yeah. college system yeah, it's like one of their smaller commuter schools. So do you? So like when you went that year, did you have to transfer your credits to you know, Mizzou? 
to go there. Well, they accepted all the credits because they're from the same system. But the only right, reason I went there, the only reason I went there was to gain residency because. Oh, you're from Illinois. Yeah, UMSL had a nice deal where if you were from the like surrounding Illinois communities, you could get in-state tuition. But if I went to Mizzou, I would have had to pay out-of-state oh. tuition, which was like more than double. Yeah, it's ridiculous. But so then uh, you went there, and uh, you you first majored in like journalism, I believe. Is that right? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, depending on what ranking you look at, the uh, top journalism school in the nation. And okay, what, <laughs> I'll just throwing that out there. And for a history lesson, the first school of journalism in oh in America. Which I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, journalism wasn't a very respected um, profession back in the day, sure. so they didn't even feel it worthy of, you know, academic uh, training or study. Yeah. I mean, women could do it. Ugh. <laughs> Just kidding. I mean, I'm not kidding, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, that's pretty cool. I didn't know that. It was the first one. That's, that's crazy. Oh. Sorry, really quick, just a fact check. I, I got something wrong. Uh, that book I was talking about, it's <laughs> the secret history. Uh, I just remembered it's the people's history of the United States. Oh, that sounds even more radical. Oh, okay. It's like the name I've ever heard. <laughs> so, so after you finished your undergrad, you decided, or between all that, when did you decide to go to law school? Well, it was... Really, um, really a, a little background. I graduated in 2008, um, which for those who forgot, that was, a, you know, the official uh, market crash hadn't happened. I mean, Lehman Brothers was still operational and as was Merrill Lynch and AIG. Um, but, you know, the economy was bad. The housing bubble was starting to burst and uh, the job market was really poor, but even without that, before that, I was having some doubts about whether I wanted to pursue journalism um, for some practical reasons and some other reasons. One, uh, I wanted to be a sports journalist, and I still love sports, and you know, I, I probably would have really enjoyed the work, but part of it just felt maybe not frivolous, but you know, I was starting to have doubts whether that would be, you know, kind of a worthwhile or noble profession, but also some of the realities were starting to kick in where, um, you know, even at that time, the internet hadn't totally taken over, but, you know, journalism was struggling and most journalists to make it had to, you know, start at very small papers or radio stations or news or uh, TV stations and kind of work their way up and, you know, at the time, I knew that I wanted to, or I'd prefer to live in St. Louis. So I knew it would take several years to get get back um, to St. Louis, if ever. Um, and in hindsight, it was probably a wise decision, just because the, you know, the state of journalism is very bad. I mean, I don't know if you saw, but um, 
uh, in Wyoming, the last uh, daily newspaper in Wyoming shut down, making it the first state without a, a daily oh. newspaper. Um, and, wow. you know, no, uh, I didn't see that. I'm surprised yeah. they had one, honestly. <laughs> well, there, isn't Wyoming's the least amount of Wyoming's the least amount of people as far as the population. Yeah, in the yeah. States, I believe they have about five hundred and fifty thousand people. Yeah, yeah, but, but it's still literally like nothing. Still, there yeah. are a lot of. I mean, there are a lot of towns that used to have you know two, three, four daily newspapers that were Cheyenne's successful. A normal size. Cheyenne's a normal sized town that would need a newspaper probably. Yeah. I mean, hell, uh, Collinsville has like 20,000 people and it had a daily newspaper. I mean, it's true. St. Louis used to have, I think, three thriving papers back in the day. And the Belleville Globe Democrat was also a pretty, you know, widely yeah. circulated paper. Um, but, you know, now it's, you know, papers are, you know, they're constantly laying people off. Um, you know, a lot of it's freelance work that is poorly paid. Like there's very bad job security. Mm -hmm. I mean, unless you make it to the upper echelons of, you know, being like, uh, you know, an ESPN reporter or something like that, which, you know, was never my goal. So I'm kind of glad I made that switch just practically speaking. Um, but I had always been interested in law. I mean, Jill can attest, we used to every Wednesday night, like, one of the few shows we watched religiously was Law and Order. Oh my gosh! And yeah. mom, our mom wanted to go to law school but didn't, or something. So she was always towards law school and had the dream of us opening a practice named Winters and Winters. <laughs> so that dream's dead, but Dave well, at least got half of it. Half the dream was alive. Yeah, there we um, go. And I had always just been, the way my mind works, I had always been interested in law, you know, the, you know, the practice of, um, you know, researching, which is also what I liked about journalism, you know, kind of, uh, you know, uh, you know, trying to find facts and make sense of them, but also the idea of taking, uh, you know, taking the same set of facts and making arguments for both sides. Um, was always something that I liked, um, you know, analyzing arguments and ideas. So, um, but the big thing was I didn't, you know, I thought law school was maybe a bit more like med school where, you know, there's really restrictive about who they let in. Like you, you know, have to have a 4.0, um, which certainly they are somewhat restricted, but not nearly as restricted as medical schools or vet schools. So I, I just... Since I didn't have a job after college, I was like, well, I'll bide my time by um, taking the LSAT, applying, see, you know, just giving that a try. And sure enough, I, you know, I applied late to a lot of places and they still let me in. And thankfully, they, um, you know, the University of Missouri let me in. So I think that really helped, you know, going to a place I was familiar with and, um, you know, didn't have to totally react, acclimate, or that's maybe not the right word, like kind of acclimate to a new, uh, a new environment and not knowing anyone. So that really right. helped. Yeah. Plus you would have had to move. 
and moving yeah. sucks. You no, know, you're telling me. I mean, I've moved about ten times, and that's just you know within a town. Like uh, moving to some unknown location would stink. Like I was, I was really mentally preparing to move to Carbondale because I thought that was the place I was most likely to to get in, um, and I did, but. You know, I, given the choice between Mizzou and Carbondale, you know, it was a pretty nothing against Carbondale. But, you know, if you have a chance to go to your alma mater, you're probably going to take it unless the other places offer some other significant financial or prestige benefit. Yeah, you're talking about University of. Uh, wait, Carbondale is Southern Southern Yeah, SIU, yeah. Yeah, SIUC, where my mom went to college. Yeah, okay, yeah. And then there's SIUE by where your parents live. Yeah. Yeah. David, were you you still in school when the bowling team switched to using SIUE? No. um, No. I didn't even know they did. Oh yeah, my um, we I can't remember where we used to go for practice, but it closed down or something. Yeah, so, well, we used to. It's where the Lowe's is now. What was oh, it? It was right. Cottonwood Bowl. Right. Yeah. No, they um, we went. We started using SIUE's bowling alley for practice. Yeah, and remember, there was a roller skating rink right next to the yes. bowling alley. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I didn't like that because I didn't roller skate. But yes, I remember it. Yeah. Well, I don't know what you guys are talking about. We were on the bowling team. Oh, that's cool. (laughs) Um, Big nerds. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I don't know. It was fun. Bowling is fun. It was was fun. We had good, there were fun people on the, the girls team was probably more fun than the boys team, but there was some pretty cool you were on the team with, David. Yeah, I, I don't know. We always said fun. I mean, I I think bowling was the, like, you know, I did football and baseball and, and bowling, and I think it was the most fun I had. One, just because it wasn't, like, you didn't have to run, <laughs> you know. Yeah. The <laughs> uh, like the, you know, and you got to socialize. I mean, there was still an element of competition, but it wasn't as hardcore. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, again, it didn't, uh, you didn't have to be an elite athlete to do it, um, which, you know, it was helpful for me. Um, but really, it was just more about the camaraderie. I mean, you, you know, basically get to just hang out for, mm. you know, for two hours. Yeah, bowl for free. It was fun. Could you th- yeah. use curve when you bowled, Dave? Yeah, I, oh, really? I don't have my old bowl or ball. It uh, I left it in my trunk, so I always had it if anyone wanted to bowl. But some during a deep freeze in my trunk, it got oh, cold no. and somehow cracked. Oh but yeah, wow. I, threw, I threw a big slow hook. Um, you know, so I had the fingertip grip, which you know, and it was also a counterweighted ball, which so you was would. There? Was there a rose in your bowl? Was there what? A, a, a rose? You know, like, uh, what was that movie with uh, 
Oh, Bill Bowski. Or no, um, Kingpin. Yeah, that was just being ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> carry on, Dave. Oh, no, that, that was kind of... Kind of yeah. yeah, well, that sucks about your ball that it... So it froze and cracked in your, because it was in your trunk? Yeah. That's right. And I still tried to use it for a while, but it just wasn't the same. Like, it threw the... It threw the... Uh, weight off and it it like didn't grip the lanes as well would it like bounce all the time no it wouldn't bounce but it just there's it it created some like frictions it's kind of hard to explain and frankly it probably tore the crap out of the the wood (laughs) lanes yeah yeah well that sucks i have no idea where my bowling ball is i had a galaxy looking one Oh, it was yeah. like purple and blue and sparkly. I remember it. It, yeah, it probably was in the basement, and then Mom probably threw it away. Yeah, she probably <laughs> she throws away everything. Yeah. I had a backspin, which it took, like, finally after two years, the coach actually, like, watched me bowl and was like, you know you have a backspin, right? And I was like, wait, what? I've been mm. trying to throw a hook for, like, two years. I got a lot better once I worked on the backspin. Yeah. Well, that's cool. I just try to throw it straight. That's it. That works, too. Just try to pick the dot that... David, to change from bowling, tell us about your girls. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Well, like Jill, I share a love for cats. Um, We could have Dave's kitty corner. (laughs) <laughs> well um, i uh I'm, i don't know if jill ever talked about snoopy and greta but growing up we had two cats and in hindsight they were really unfriendly and um weren't the best cats because they were barn cats that we tried to make house cats um okay. but they died they died when we were about 10 or 11 and we wanted more cats and my mom never got us any. And ever since then, like I've wanted cats, but once I moved out, I didn't want the responsibility um, because I was always traveling and going out and living in small places. Um, But once I got, you know, a professional job and kind of settled down, I started wanting a cat, but I wanted a specific kind of cat. I've always loved Himalayans. And then mm-hmm. if you ever look on uh, shelters, the Himalayans aren't very common. Um, right. And they're perfect. I don't know if it was Pamela, my fiance, or Jill, but or maybe it was me that just saw it. I don't know. But somehow uh, this shelter that I've been following um, it, up in Pekin, Illinois, which is near Peoria, which is about an hour, three hours north of us, they had two... Himalayan sisters that I don't know how someone could give them up, but they were available, and I I I, I thought they would be taken in like a day, and I still didn't know if I wanted them. But you know, Pamela and I went up there to visit them, and once I met them, I knew I had to have them. And luckily, you know, once we got back and I. I found time to go, or actually my folks went and picked them up for me. 
um, they were still available. And their names are Bria and Bala. Um, they were there a while before you adopted them, I feel like. Yeah, I, I was lucky because this place I had been following, um, they, uh, they, some of their animals get adopted within a day. And, mm. you, know, you know, two beautiful Himalayans um, that had no obvious, it, you know, it's not like they had three legs or, you know, a known peeing problem or, you know, needed to wear diapers or, you know, were diabetic or something. Uh, you know, I thought they would be gone, but maybe just because there were two of them mm-hmm. and people didn't want to take on two, but I got them and, you know, I'm very happy they've adjusted. Um, they have, they couldn't be farther, besides looking similar, they're completely distinct personalities. Bria is much more energetic. She's kind of a bit more neurotic and needy, um, but also more affectionate. And Bella is like almost more like Garfield. Like <laughs> she's a little fatter. She sleeps a lot. Um, she hates Mondays. Um, she, <laughs> she still she, uh, lasagna when you make it. <laughs> I don't make lasagna, but she'd probably eat it. Um, <laughs> but she's uh, like... Uh, a little more grouchy, not mean, but like just like she wants to be, she's more aloof. But when she does come to give you attention, like she can be very loving. Um, See, I think of, Bella is so much like Bella's always nicer to me than Bria is. I can't tell the difference, honestly, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes in the certain light, I can't tell them if I can't see their body um, or their face. I have trouble telling them apart sometimes too. But yeah, Bria's very sweet. She's just again like she's more chill, but like if you can't force yourself on her. Yeah, I like um, being able to force myself on cats. <laughs> oh yeah, they are kind of skittish somewhat sometimes. I think Bria is always too interested in playing, and that's mm. not my yeah. jam. I don't want to play. I want to cuddle. Yeah, mm. Bria is definitely more hyper. Like, she's the one that, like, will wake me up pawing at my face or, like, she'll just follow me around sometimes and just go, (laughs) like, I don't know what she wants. Like, I'm like, do you want a treat? Do you want to play? Are you dying? Like, she probably just wants to be held. Yeah, maybe. But she's also my work assistant. Now that I, even before COVID, I worked from home. Most of the most of the time, and I have a chair set set up right next to um, my desk. That about half the day she'll sit in, and I call her my legal assistant. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's sweet of her. Yeah, I haven't got her to file any memos for me yet, but we're working (laughs) on it. (laughs) Um. So. and I guess we could talk about sports, maybe. Um, or uh, what would you like to talk about, Dave? Or do you want to keep talking about your cats? I mean, there's not too much more about the cats. One interesting thing is they they don't eat. We were talking about eating lasagna. Um, yeah, it it's funny. The, the, they actually don't like human food. Like, well, that's a good other thing. Than, other than the most random things, like, 
they love licking the jar of peanut butter and then oh. they they love ice cream <laughs> like they're somewhat intrigued by salmon but when they actually get in the position to eat it they're like uh eh, eh. but uh but like if i get chocolate ice cream or peanut butter they'll like just lick that thing till it's gone oh chocolate's not good for kitties don't let them eat too much no i just let them get like a lick or two oh, okay but uh but yeah sports uh it's kind of kind of been depressing uh <laughs> you know i'm a cardinals fan uh for those yeah. that don't know me i uh worked at both the old bush stadium and new bush stadium for, for a long time and got to see some good games and um but the cardinals have played a, exactly five games this year um because they had a massive COVID outbreak um and how hopefully, many got COVID? was it like five or was it more I, count like I think of the players, I want to say it was about nine, and then like I think total there were sixteen or seventeen people, and that's counting like staff yeah. members and coaches. Okay. Um, uh, but they've been they've been on quarantine so long that some of the initial first people that got infected could potentially start playing if they play this weekend. Like, apparently, mm. Yachty Molina was asymptomatic. And, you know, if you're asymptomatic, you, I think you have to quarantine 10 days and then have two negative tests. So mm-hmm. they've they've had enough time where they may get them back. Um, and then the Blues, uh, you know, huge year last year for the first time ever, we won the Stanley Cup. Um, but And we were number one in our division in our conference before COVID, but mm-hmm. since COVID counting a kind of a exhibition game, we've lost five games in a row. Oh. Um, luckily only one of them's really counted. The first one was a, the first four, one was exhibition and the other three were just for seating purposes, but we lost, we are our first game of the first round of the playoffs last, last um, yesterday. And we lost, Oh, dang. Wait, so question. Was the playoffs paused until now yeah, because of COVID? Kind of, it's kind of like the NBA. Okay, I was so confused when we were we were out in Grafton and they had hockey on the TV and I had no idea what was happening, why hockey was on in August. Well, what, they, was, what they did was instead of finishing the year, they expanded the playoffs. And so there was this like, first round of playoffs with like the lower seeded teams and then the top four teams which the blues were in um played like this round robin tournament to determine who would be the top seed um Mm. so they basically went straight to the playoffs unlike the nba who you know continued to have this kind of you know regular season type you know type deal going on yeah, and now I think the Pelicans didn't make it, I want to say. I don't believe they did. Yeah. Good uh, news I'm is uh, former former Mizzou almost star Michael Porter's been playing really well for the Denver Nuggets. He's been averaging 20 and 10 uh, yeah. the last five games. So Rebound. if only he could have done it while his one year at Mizzou. 
Yeah, but um, he was all haggard. Well, yeah, he, he had spinal surgery. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know the, the greatest that never was of Mizzou. Yeah, that yeah, that's true. Yeah, that sucks. Wake me up when we're done with the sports, okay? Oh wow! Well, uh, I'll just have one last thing, and then you talk about it all you want. You take to to uh, you know to kind of last negative thing is you know if I were a betting man, I would say we're not getting college football this year. Yeah, um, I don't think I've heard so. The Big Ten canceled, whatever that is. Yeah, the Big Ten and the Pac-12 canceled. The SEC um, says they're they're gonna try, and they're the most likely to do it, just because they right. care about football the most. And and they're also um, the states that have the worst COVID cases. So yeah, it's not gonna. They don't care. It's not gonna work. Yeah. Oh well, no, it'll work. By killing everyone with COVID. Oh, COVID, well, it will work great for COVID. Oh, so it'll be a genocide. Yes. Okay. I mean, it, it just, if they're going to follow the rules that the other sports have, it's just impossible because, you know, there's so much people. Close, there's so much close contact, and that if you're going to quarantine everyone who had contact with someone who is positive, like, you know, there's going to be times where, Potentially, like if you had a Marlins or Cardinals type outbreak, like where you don't have enough players to, to you know, uh, field a team, or you're playing like third and fourth stringers. Um, yeah, that's and also a good, like another performance. another reason I don't think is is because several players organizations have also started organizing, and I wouldn't call it unionizing, but they're basically trying to form players associations where they're putting forward demands. And that's honestly, I think the, for as much as they say they care about the safety and all that, I, I don't think they really care about that. Mm-hmm. Um, you not know, in those, college football. Not in college football. But what they do care about is players, you, like, organizing and, like, you know, taking some sort of power because yeah. – they right. definitely do not want to pay players, and they no. definitely don't want players having any real, real power. Um, because yeah, they would definitely probably cancel the season before setting the precedent of paying the players. Right. And also, I mean, these kids need to, first off, college students are irresponsible anyway. Like, it, it's very hard to social distance. Yeah. And they still have college to worry about. Yeah. <laughs> like, they well, still have to live their lives and that's another reason i think they won't play it is because i think many of these colleges will either be fully online or like hybrid and it it, it would just completely crack the quote-unquote student athlete facade if you know a college's classes are being all online but yet the athletes are still practicing and going and competing you know, putting themselves at risk. Um, But there is a big incentive for them to play. I mean, all the projections are is that, you know, the, if they don't have college football, like just massive layoffs, massive financial hits, like all these colleges depend so much on the revenue generated by the football players um, that there is that incentive. But again, 
they also realize that the players will never have more leverage than they do right now. Um, so I almost think they'd rather take the hit than risk a total, you know, um, rebalancing our dynamic. Yeah. Um, yeah, because if they pay them this year or give them any sort of power this year, that's going to continue past COVID. Whereas an economic hit, they can recover from in the yeah. future or maybe get federal funding or, you know, big exactly. plead their case with big donors, et cetera. Exactly. Um, yeah. Because they realize without COVID, like, you know, the thing that stopped like there have been other efforts to like unionize individual teams or form players associations, but um, one young people aren't necessarily, you know, maybe not like clued in on the significance of it. Also, it's just so easy to fracture to, mm -hmm. you know, kind of make sure there's no, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, uh, no. Um, like oh, strife. Like no, not, not a strife. I, I was going to say, um, well, cohesion, but what's the solidarity? That's yeah. the word, you oh, know, they're yeah. like, it's, it's too, in normal times, it's too easy to kind of, uh, you know, make sure you, you can prevent any kind of mass action or solidarity among the yeah. players. Um, whereas it's a little different right now. So I think that is a legitimate concern they have. Yeah, because you're kind of seeing examples of that in the NBA with the BLM movement. There's a lot of solidarity, and yeah. uh, people get tri people get tribal on teams. Yeah, well, because if you don't have solidarity, like nothing's going to happen, right? Because believe me, the owners, or I shouldn't say owners, because this isn't professional sports. The the presidents of the universities, you better believe that they have solidarity and like pretty right. solid um but you know the players again they're not so much <laughs> um but yeah no anyway sorry i was yeah. going on a rant we can move to other topics share, than sports i'm gonna share an <laughs> unpopular opinion that i oh, i know <laughs> i absolutely loathe college football i actually loathe football in general but I really, really loathe college football. Oh, you don't love Joe Burrow? Go I know. <laughs> I know. I'm surprised they haven't like come and burned down our condo here in Baton Rouge. Maybe once this gets published, we'll get like threatening notes on our door. Yeah, and it, there's like as far as COVID goes, there is no way on any given Saturday night they're going to be able to social distance 200,000 people. Because that's how many people show up to these things. Well, they're not, they probably wouldn't let people in the stadiums, but even if they aired it, like bars would be packed, people would be yeah. having watch parties. Like it will just encourage people to be extremely unsafe in their personal lives, whether they're at the stadium or not. It, yeah. It's really here, it's all these people have to look forward it, to. It, yes, it is literally all people care about. That might be part of the reason. Well, I hate it because I think that it's, well, there's a lot of things wrong. I think that they don't Barbers. take care of the, yeah, they don't take care of the play, players. They get um, that, that head disease thing where they kill people and kill themselves. CTE. Like, 
yeah, how are we even allowing this to happen when that's even a possibility? Like we're saying we don't care. We'd rather have football than preventing you murdering your wife. Like that's pretty screwed up because it's a direct result of football. Well, not even that. Like fans get passionate too. Um, yeah, but I've that's... seen articles where when Alabama came to the LSU and Baton Rouge and beat us, some fan and a town, Ponchatoula, I don't know if you heard of Strawberry Festival. Yeah, the guy, uh, they got in a fight in a bar, and the guy killed the Alabama fan, I think. Oh, my gosh. But, but that's yeah. also, like, that's... I mean, that's just craziness. Yeah, so. that's, that is that person's decision, whereas you, you play football. Oh, yeah, CTE You get so many head bad. injuries. You have CTE. You are, like, it's out of your control. Like, it is a direct result from participating in football. Yeah, that's pretty bad. And then, and, yeah, someone else gets, yeah. But anyways, also. Is the misplaced priorities, you know, um, and the fact that in almost every state, the highest paid government employee is the head football coach by far. Like, yeah. I mean, I think, I haven't looked it up, but I think, Saban makes about seven, eight million dollars a year, and the governor makes like I think like two hundred and fifty thousand. I could be off on those numbers, but I wouldn't be surprised. But mm-hmm. it's like, you know, and just all the, you know, effort and resources. I mean, honestly, I I love college football. I love college basketball, but it is similar to like eating meat. Um, it's one of those things where I love, but I have no way to justify it morally like Mm -hmm. based on my principles like i realized that you know it's a dangerous sport that i'm getting enjoyment out of people you know potentially causing disabling injuries to themselves that you know a lot of these kids are being exploited you know Mm -hmm. that so much money is being diverted um you know yeah Saban's making time. seven million, and the the students can't afford to feed themselves lunch. Like yeah. that's um, just disgusting. I mean, certainly they bring in a ton of money, but um, you know they the, don't get it. Well, they don't. I'm saying the program does. Oh yeah, but I mean, yeah, the the player, yeah, like you said, the players are being exploited. Yeah. Well, we really got on well, a social justice tangent. Well, for plus. Sport. Well, here's another point to make with all that. It's uh, the funneling of the money from the sports department, sports like uh, football, is not always distributed to the university itself in a, like, the most, like, in the best fashion, if you ask me sometimes. Like, LSU, like, it's like they compensate the sports department first, and then they get a little kickback to education or maybe research yeah. research is probably not funded by football. Money. Yeah. So, All I mean, I just think it's kind of, uh, I there, just, there's some issues with that. If you ask me, I did just look up Nick Saban's salary. Just a quick Googs told me it was 8.85 million. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot. Of, yeah. That's more he made I mean, if the Miami is right, but and I bet coach O's is probably, or it should be up there. I mean, he just won the national championship. I don't um, know how many of these people are actually. Coach O's no, the no, LSU coach. coach. Oh, then who's Saban? Saban's Saban. Alabama. Oh, I thought Saban. Oh. Nick Satan. 
Just remember him like that as his last name. I'll probably never remember his name again. Because he's the devil. Okay. Yeah. But I'll still watch. But part of me wonders if in, you know, 200 years we'll look back at this and be like, we were like the gladiators cheering on gladiator battles. You know, um, you know, or uh, people hooting and hollering at minstrel shows or something <laughs> like that. Um, oh, that's the next form of entertainment? Well, no, I was just giving that as an example of, uh, oh, okay. you know, kind of morally repugnant entertainment that at the time was acceptable, but, you know, is anachronistic at best um, now. Do you know uh, what um, is... I guess it's only like 20 years old. I don't even know, but I watched, tried to watch it recently and I literally cannot handle it is Pokemon. <laughs> I Pokemon is like watching dog fighting. Like it's one of those <laughs> things where it's like, how is this even okay in the 1990s? Like who thought this was okay? And people, As an age, well. Yeah, no, it, ha- it, it probably didn't even start out well. Yeah. <laughs> I like seriously cry. I watched like three episodes and there's this, there was a one where this dude's like trying to make his sand shrew stronger by torturing it with water, which they're a desert Pokemon or something. So they hate water or something like that. It's like electrocuting it. And like they portray it like, oh, look at how much he loves his sand shrew. He just wants his sand shrew to be so strong as he's like shocking it with a cattle prod. <laughs> like, mm. what is this? No wonder we're all messed up. yeah well we do love our violence that's for sure yeah our violence against fictional animals yeah Uh, against every anything and everything yeah i guess that's true um i I don't know i'm i'm running out (laughs) of ideas here dave Um, let's talk about more exploitation yeah uh, (laughs) uh uh i guess we could uh Maybe not an official Jill's cat corner, but uh, have you guys, one, have you adopted any more cats since the last podcast? Oh. And two, is is that no. one cat still pooping and peeing everywhere? So very, so we'll just go ahead and do Jill's kitty corner right now. Oh. <laughs> um, sad, well, first off, happy update for those of you who remember Mandrake, the box kitten, the one oh, yeah. who my name. Yeah, the, my neighbor had him in a box and was just like, we're just going to keep him in this box outside with some milk and like a thunderstorm. Um, he turns a year old today. Yay. Yay. His new name is Phoenix and his new mom sent me pictures of him blowing out his wet food candle, his little wet food cake candle. Um, he's gino- He's like the size of a mountain lion. He's ginormous. Um, but so, yay, happy little box kitten who was just full of I mean he was just his entire body was just worms for like the first month of his life um and he's just doing so good and he's so happy and he's so healthy and big um but yes sad very sad update Lucy kept peeing outside of the pan which she poops outside the pan sometimes because she has tummy issues and we just we have a couch cover that we wash because she always poops on the couch or blankies so no big deal we just wash them I mean, it's annoying, but it's not, you know, horrible. But she took to peeing on the couch because Mm. Sven was being a bully. And Lucy, actually, she went into a foster originally because there was a bully 
Maybe I went into this on the last segment. I think I started screaming about how much I hate Maple. But anyways, so Lucy um, was having PTSD from when she first got bullied. And it was clear that that was still happening. We, when I left for St. Louis, we put calming collars on both Spin and Lucy. We plugged in some calming pheromone scent diffusers. I had been training Spin, spritzing him with a water bottle when he would slap Lucy. Um, but he still, it just wasn't good. He peed on the couch. So Jesse, we made the decision to return Spin to the shelter. Oh, and. Sven kind of looked like a bully. He he was only a bully to Lucy. It was Luther misses him. Luther does miss him, but that Lucy, does stink because Luther hasn't had a a BFF since Thaddeus. I know. I mean, he, he Luther and Pixie are in love. Like they literally sleep on top of each other every night. Like. Literally, like, I don't know who I'm petting when I reach over and pet. It's just a mass of fur. They're all tangled together. Um, but, yeah, she doesn't play with him. So he needs a play buddy. But maybe we'll find the right fit. You know, I thought Sven was it, but I guess not. We miss him. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't seen him, but I texted some of the volunteers. And they said he's, you know pretty happy at the shelter he's being very sweet oh good well hopefully he gets adopted soon yeah i i I want someone to take him right away so i don't have to worry about him Um, yeah a a good cat story also at my old work um one of my old co-workers was driving on a uh, she was a stoplight driving on a busy street near our old office and a mama cat was carrying a, a newborn kitten in her mouth across a busy street and like i guess other cars are going the other way um and like the cat was having to zig and zag and you know caused her to drop the kitten then i guess she got spooked and ran away like ran into the woods and yeah kind of ran in her cat um but my old co-worker stopped and picked up the kitten and brought it to work and one of uh the other co-workers adopted the cat Oh, they, they've been feeding it and it's been doing well. How um, old was it? Uh, the vet guessed five months. Wait, what? She was carrying a five month old kitten? Or maybe or maybe it was five weeks. Five yeah, weeks. Five by weeks. five months, they're already like literally yeah, having big. their own kittens. At five <laughs> Practically. Uh, OK, good. So at least OK, because if there were if she was carrying one, there was probably more that maybe she abandoned. But five weeks. They would at least semi be weaned. Semi. Yeah. Well, that's pretty cool. Oh, that's nice of your old co-worker to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So on a bad note, uh, Pamela, my fiance, she has two cats at home, and they've been for weeks been battling fleas. Yeah. Oh. They. Uh, she sprayed the house, and they have flea medicine, and she's. Not seeing is finding as many, but she's still finding some fleas. It is um, impossible. It is so hard to get rid of fleas. It is, yeah, ex- especially in her house because it's all carpeted. There's right. blankets and yeah, and you're supposed to car- you're supposed to vacuum and wash everything at least once a day for like two weeks, which is just not feasible. 
Yeah. It's just, it's, it, that's literally impossible. Like, you might as well just burn your house down. Yeah. Luckily, Jesus. I haven't, I haven't found any on my girls. I got them. I hadn't, I didn't have them on flea medicine. Um, but, um, I do now. And cause I was worried about Pamela bringing yeah. them over, which luckily hasn't happened. And they um, come inside on you or just sitting out in the hallway, they can get fleas. And also, Flea medicine protects, um, if you get the right kind, it can protect against heart against heartworms, which are more common for dogs, but for people who don't know, a lot of cats aren't susceptible to heartworms, like they just won't get heartworms, which are passed through mosquitoes. Um, but if they do get heartworms, a single heartworm can kill a cat. So it's really important to, you know, make sure that you keep your cats protected against that. Dogs can literally have just like, an entire heart filled with heartworms and survive. <laughs> like it is, it's, tr I mean, it's disgusting and it will kill them eventually, but they can make it a long time. Um, whereas a cat, like, yeah, just one little tiny, tiny worm and they just, they can just be gone. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, uh, you never know what their susceptibility is. So it's very, and it, since it's passed through mosquitoes, which get inside, obviously, Super important to keep kitties protected from that as well. Mm. And on speaking, of, I figured maybe well, I had an idea for this podcast before we close out. Okay. Uh, to combine your guys' two signature segments of Jill's Cat Corner and Jesse's Joke Time, with, <laughs> with I found I found some really really uh, pretty cheesy cat jokes. So I'm going to tell yeah. some. Yeah, let's hear them. They're quick. Um, uh, why don't cats play poker in the jungle? Too many cheetahs. Um, what do you call a cat that loves bowling? An alley cat. You, you cut out. Wait, oh, what's, the, what's the answer to the joke again? Say it one more time. What do you call a cat that loves bowling? An alley oh. cat. <laughs> oh, wow. Wait, what was the poker jungle one? You cut out on the answer. Oh, you can hear. Oh, um, why do cats? Why don't cats play poker in the jungle? Too many cheetahs. Oh. <laughs> I like the alley cat. Are there more? Do you have another one? Uh, there, there's some more. Um, <laughs> are these jokes you found online? <laughs> yeah. Oh, this is better than your autism joke. Let me. Oh, I want to hear them. <laughs> Why is it so hard? I don't, think, I don't think Dave heard that, has he? Yes, he did. I was did. not impressed. It was on your. It was your joke of the week last week. Oh, you didn't like it. That's okay. Well, you Jesse, know, I, it I, wasn't I, really I, a joke, Jesse. Yeah, that's true. It was just a statement yeah. about potential issues. <laughs> you can't yeah. stick them all. <laughs> You know, <laughs> um, the part about having one friend, though, that really that that I left at that. That was funny. Yeah. Um, but why but is it hard? The joke part, but that was funny. Yeah. Why is it hard for leopards to play hide and go seek? Because you can always spot them. <laughs> Close, because they're always spotted. Oh. Um, <laughs> more. These more. Are like, these are like cat dad jokes. They really are. <laughs> Um, did you, did you hear about the passenger who had to be escorted off the plane? She let the cat out of the bag. 
Oh, oh my man. gosh. These are terrible. These are so bad. <laughs> These really are bad. What did the alien say to the cat? Take me to your litter. Oh, <laughs> I think that's a good one to end on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some Nickelodeon. I remember there was some Nickelodeon show. No, these are Laffy Taffy. Yeah. Uh, oh, the, oh, the Laffy Taffy jokes. Oh, the worst. yeah. Well, when I was a kid, I remember there was some show on Nickelodeon that there, somebody would say a joke and then it would go to a like some guy playing the drums after. Oh, like the, the yeah, it was, that was pretty corny back yeah. in the day. But um, we well, didn't have cable, so we wouldn't know. Oh, whoops! It was an honor to for you to have me on. Hopefully, this will help your podcast. I am a verified uh, uh, yes. influencer on Instagram. Hashtag okay. Insta model. Um, I have about <laughs> ten thousand followers on Twitter, so I'm gonna. I don't I'm believe gonna any of those things. I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna drive some traffic to this uh, to this podcast. <laughs> oh, All right. Well, uh, I'm gonna probably release this uh, Sunday. So, well, just edit all the bad parts out. Make me sound good. <laughs> oh my god. I mean, I, don't, I wasn't going to plan on editing anything except. But... Yeah, Jesse doesn't edit even when I ask him to. Um, I might edit the breaks or uh, the Do part. There's a part. The breaks is like anytime there's pauses. Okay. Yeah. Well, you got to give the people the uncut dope, you know. Yeah. They need that raw. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The well, you guys the cartel well, doesn't uh, deliver. Yeah, well, <laughs> keep on rambling. All right, man. Bye, David. All right, Bye. thanks for coming on, Dave. I hope you guys enjoy this interview with my brother-in-law, Dave, as much as I did. Um, you could find the podcast on Spotify, uh, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and uh, usually just about any place you could find your podcast. Um... Um, I will. You could find me on various social media: uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. On Facebook, uh, Jesse Dot I mean, Facebook, just Jesse Runnels. At Twitter, uh, Jesse underscore Runnels, and Instagram at uh, Jesse Dot And um, as always, thanks for listening. Bye.